We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, win time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com B-E. We all know the importance of increasing social-emotional learning practices in our schools. We all know the positive effect that it can have on student learning and teacher well-being. All those individual measures, Mindful Minute, yoga, meditation, We've tried them, but we can't seem to put them together in a meaningful way that has lasting impact and major change. Well, what if I told you there's a process? There's a four-step method to being able to do this in a meaningful way. What if I told you it begins with you, with us, looking internally and then inspiring externally? Hey everyone, Dr. Jones, and this is the beginning of another series that I'm providing to you. And this one, you guessed it, is on SEL and how to meaningfully incorporate it into our communities. I talk with Mike James. Now, Mike James is focused on SEL and has a system designed to help us with this. Whether we're talking about our community being us, memorable moments jars, Or calling BS when you see it. That's right. You heard what I said. See, the trick is finding the actual lever for positive change. And that lever is first found within ourselves. This four-part series is ideal for people looking to make lasting, impactful, meaningful change. And it all starts by you listening to Mike James explain Mira, Mindset, Intention, and real action. See, overall, the process for improvement is simple, but very hard to enact. I am so excited to bring Mike to you on the Seeing to Lead podcast because you're going to benefit so much from the things he tells us. They just have to be put in action. Thank you for taking the time to listen. And as always, if you haven't already, take the time to subscribe to the show and leave an honest rating and review. You see, when you do that, it drives the show to more listeners, and so more people can benefit from people like Mike, just like you. Now, let's get to learning about social-emotional learning and getting better with Mike James on Seeing to Lead. Let's talk about flex time in schools. The potential benefits to our students make it worth exploring. More time for personalized learning, increased choice and agency for students, and the increased engagement that comes along with it. Dedicated time for intervention. Overall, as school leaders, it gives us and our faculty more tools to increase academic achievement. But the implementation and management of flex time can be a challenge. Tricky logistics and a lack of clear accountability systems can prevent teachers from buying in and can hold us back from ensuring students make good use of their time. I'm pleased to share that MyFlex Learning provides a solution to these challenges and more. 
MyFlex Learning helps you create and manage flexible time for any purpose. And with seamless SIS integration, a student locator, flexible daily rostering, and an intuitive mobile app, it eliminates the common challenges of implementation and management. Want to see for yourself? Visit MyFlexLearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year of use. That's MyFlexLearning.com B-E. What makes an individual powerful, right? What makes a community powerful? What makes a community a community? How to improve communities? How to improve an individual? I went for a while thinking that I was going to be a trainer or a mentor or a coach and help people that way. But now I'm realizing that I can help more people by helping them understand and unlock the information that they have inside them and really learn about what it is when you are socially and emotionally strong, what it is when you have a high EQ, right? And how does that impact and impact every piece of the community that you interact with? When we get into community, one of the things we'll realize is that at its heart, at its core, your community is you. Dr. Chris Jones here, and welcome to Seeing to Lead, a show designed to help leaders increase their ability to effectively support, engage, and empower their staff through intentional practices so that they create an environment where everyone reaches their greatest level of success. On Seeing to Lead, communication rules the day as we hear voices from both teachers and leaders in an effort to examine perspectives, highlight misunderstandings, and provide steps to ultimately bridge the gap between what teachers need and provide through thought dialogue. This show is about amplifying voices, creating understanding, and providing information to help everyone continually improve. I want to personally thank you for taking the time. Now, let's get to getting better. Meet Mike James, a passionate coach, mentor, and leader dedicated to fostering positive change through the principles of MIRA, mindset, intention, right action. With 17 years of experience in guiding, leading, and building national programs designed to teach, train, develop, and inspire, Mike brings a wealth of expertise. His goal is to instill positive psychology principles and inspire communities of all sizes to become organizations for good. Recently venturing into social and emotional learning, Mike aims to further amplify his impact. As the founder of Simple Healthy Life, Mike is committed to guiding individuals and communities towards personal and collective growth. He inspires introspection, fosters growth, and creates environments where personal and organizational transformation thrives. You know, I could just read Mike's bio, but I can't really stop there because while it says exactly what he's about, I do have to say I'm super excited to be talking to you today, Mike, because of the personal impact you've had on my life. Listeners need to know that I've dealt with Mike for quite a few years. I've trusted my two boys to him that I talk about often, and listeners know about Team Jones, and I myself have worked with Mike. So, Mike, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I appreciate the info and the introduction, and uh, really, I'm incredibly grateful to be here uh, for a number of reasons, but in one of them primarily is the fact that I've got to work with Team Jones for quite some time, (laughs) and uh Man, I'm, I can't say enough good things about all of them, but um, I don't think we've ever we've ever sat down to do a podcast like this in a formal setting. But some of our conversations in the past have been uh, have been really impactful for me and inspiring. So I'm, gra- I'm glad to maybe share some of our conversation with the world. 
That's fantastic. And you know, I love the direction that you're headed and what you're doing and how things are just kind of exploding. I don't want to give too much away, right? Because this is going to be a four series podcast. So the whole idea is we'll talk about the first one today, but it's about building more powerful community that you talk quite a bit about. And then you have another four words that I'll let you get into as this develops, because one of the really cool things that I can't wait to talk about today that's so central to education and so central to leadership is that it's a journey, right? It's a process. And it's continuing on that process and refining and reiterating as we continue to improve. So, you know, before you jump into that, I'm going to interrupt you even a little more and, and hog some of the mic. You already, which is one of the reasons I'm excited about this, and I said this in the pre-chat that I was going to bring this up, you already gave me a tool to use that I haven't used that I think people will love to hear and especially love to use because of its impact. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your memorable moments jar? Yeah, I'm happy to do so. My wife and I started some this thing about maybe four years ago. We were messing around with a mason jar, just as simple as that. And we put it in the middle of the island. And it's usually nothing on the island in our kitchen. And we decided when good things happened, we were going to take a little scrap of paper and put it in this jar. And we would just keep putting it in and keep going. When it first started, we had no intention of doing it yearly, no intention of, of when we were going to read it. It was almost like a, um, a time capsule. But it's evolved in being something that we take out every New Year's Eve, and um, we spend a good half an hour to an hour reflecting on all the good stuff that happened to us. And those things are little things, they're big things. And the truth is that a lot of the stuff we would never have remembered. It's almost like it's reading somebody else's stuff when you open it up. And, uh, you know, something that happened to you in, in February or March or April. That's cool. And it's one of the things you said when you were describing it is, it's intentional and it's purposeful. And I mean, there's so many things about gratitude in that when you look back and you can be grateful for all the things, but the intentional reflection on the positive things in your life has such a deeper meaning overall than just those pieces of paper. Well said. Yeah, it, it certainly feels it too. And it's become an event in our house because in it's fun. You get the time to sit and reflect in a positive way. You know, I, I would run an exercise for your listeners today just go home, ask your spouse or your significant other, give me 10 things that happened last year that were awesome. And just be curious about them. Hopefully they can get to 10, right? When you have the jar, if you're consistent with it, you know, the awesome things are in the details or in the little things that have happened. And you just write those down and you get to look at them and definitely put a date on them. They're fun too. That's cool. So that's actually a really good segue into the building part of those four words. So do you, could you do me a favor and the listeners a favor, just kind of explain how you came about to these four words, what they mean, what they are, and then we can get into, you know, the first one so that we can really fully explore that because I, I think there's a lot that has to do with education. And as you were saying, before I hit that record button, you've done quite a lot of thinking about it and, and discovering about it. So once you paint that big picture, we can get detailed. But why don't you let people know what this is all about? Sure. So when I first started thinking about what I wanted to do, I realized that I just have a passion for people and communities. And I'm sure that came from growing up with a team atmosphere, lots of great coaches in my life, lots of great teachers, lots of great educators. And they all were able to help me in a certain way, you know. And when I started to think about it, I started to think about 
what do I want to bring? What do I want to give back? And I'm one of the lucky ones. I was surrounded by leaders and in teachers and coaches my entire life. So I'm on year 42. And I, and what I want to give back is I want to give back the knowledge that I have gained about what makes an individual powerful, right? What makes a community powerful? What makes a community a community? How to improve communities? How to improve an individual? I, I went for a while thinking that I was going to be a trainer or a mentor or a coach and help people that way. But now I'm realizing that I can help more people by helping them understand and unlock the information that they have inside them and really learn about what it is when you're socially and emotionally strong, what it is when you have a high EQ, right? And how does that impact and impact every piece of the community that you interact with? When we get into community, one of the things we'll realize is that at its heart, at its core, your community is you, right? When you go to the doctors, that's you part of your community. When you go to the school, that's part of your community. When you go out to dinner, you know, you are in that same community. So fundamentally, how can we improve you as an individual? How can you understand a little deeper um, and subsequently help the entire community around? So I'm pumped to get the opportunity to talk to educators directly because when I really think about community, I mean, I, I, you guys are the foundation, right? You guys are the beginning of it all. If I'm really being, uh, you know, you might even be, if you were a person, you'd be an architect. If you were an aspect, you'd be a foundation, right? You're building, developing, you know, putting these tools together for the, for people in the community that goes far past your four walls, right? I mean, Think about these, I, I was thinking about this as I was getting ready for this talk. Think about these educators that, that have now taught their son, right? Or they're taught, they taught the mom and dad, and now they taught the son and daughter, right? Like you have had an impact on that family, like that most people would never even put two and two together, except for when the name comes up. Like, oh yeah, actually, you know, I remember learning from ex-teacher or and yeah, and did he do this thing that he did, you know, 32 years ago or she, right? And so there's no more obvious example than that. But, you know, there's plenty of examples about how we can, we can talk about how you're growing and putting foundational pieces into people. I think actually your um, email talks about building character. That's something you guys are doing. I mean, every day, all day. You know, living by example, building character for, for people showing what it means to be, you know, part of a community. So I know I rambled a little bit there, I think. You didn't ramble. You're, uh, you're fine because you just, you kind of hit the whole gambit, right? All the way up to communities and where you left it was with the teaching aspect and the building because communities have to be built. They don't just happen and they're built by a collection of people that come together. And how they interact with each other and how they work to better their community. But a lot of that has to, somewhere along the line, be teaching. People have to learn somewhere. So by default, there has to be teachers. And when you mention the importance of teachers and that generational impact, you had talked earlier about, in before I hit record, about the architectural aspect. So that I, I liked that so much as I thought about it. And how I can foster that as a leader or how leaders can foster that among teachers on an everyday aspect. 
Why don't you jump into, or why can't we jump into right now, just the build piece and the teach piece? Because you talked about that, that architectural, if you, I'm going to mess this up the way you said it. You said if it was teachers, if they were a profession, it would be an architect. Not quite that because teaching is a profession, but, and if they were, a, I forget the word you used, they, they would be a, a foundation. As a personification, they're an architect. Look at you dropping that language yeah. on me. Drop it on you. And as a piece of this building, right? Building is building. And then there's when you, you know, you Google or AI or chat with building, right? Building talks about actual structures, right? And if they are a piece of that actual structure, they would be the foundation, right? And I think it's imperative that we understand that as we teach and as we develop and as we grow our curriculum and our skills, we are evolving as a society, right? The same way that our forefathers, right? The ancients and even the Greeks and the Romans, they built their foundations surface level. They built them on the ground. The ancients, they built them with pebbles and stones, you know, flattened everything out. The Greeks and Romans, they, they developed concrete. I mean, amazing, right? How, what a cool new way to make things more structurally sound. But it really, you know, you can take it a little further and go into medieval times where they were using timber and they started with cornerstones, which I think is a pretty interesting uh, example that we can talk about for education, right? We all have cornerstones of education and, and I'm sure you could probably identify four or five of them, right? But the next step was the Renaissance, right? And what happened in the Renaissance? They really decided and figured out that if they took these big stone pylons or these big timber pylons and they dug them down into the ground, they drove them deep into the ground, the foundation would be way more impactful, creating and allowing for larger, bigger, stronger buildings. Well, I think personally that we're going through a bit of a renaissance right now. The interesting thing for me, and this might be a little off base, but you know, the Renaissance was two, three hundred years, depending upon who you ask and where you were living. I think our Renaissance is going to be a lot shorter and I think it's going to be a lot quicker. And I think it's going to go a lot more change. I mean, if we really identify what's happened in the last 15 years or you know what, because we're going to talk about social and emotional learning, I'll say since the 2000s, when it really hit home, that it was a thing <laughs> and we could do it. We have gone into a renaissance. I mean, people change the way they communicate, the way they interact, texting, and the things that we know, right? All of the social media, that stuff is changing the world as we know it. And if we can kind of, as educators, realize that, check out the fact that, hey, foundations change. They do, they evolve, they improve. And start to think about what do we do to change that foundation for the better, setting us up for the ability to build bigger buildings and big, build better communities. Well, let's use the same example. Let's find a pylon. Let's find a honing. Let's find something deep within ourselves that we can drive down deep within ourselves to really anchor ourselves. And when I think about that, I think about exactly what we want to talk about today, which is you know social, emotional learning, understanding, and what we can do, how we can implement that, right? We'll probably... When we get into more and powerful, we'll talk about the train and develop aspect of this whole thing. So we'll get into more tactical explanations. But I mean, right now, just think about it. Think about, we know that structurally driving this anchor deep down inside will allow for greater heights. Let's use it. 
Let's figure it out. Let's figure out how to do it with our leaders, figure out how to implement it, add it, figure out how to show it to our students, right? Because it's just another deeper piece to this whole game. Now you say it a lot, right? To form it, to develop it, to drive it down deep, to get it, to get our students to do it. And I know personally, I do a lot of reflection and I know other leaders that do a lot of reflection, but help us out. What do you, what is it? Is it individualized among staff? Like I do why exercises, finding your why with staff so that they focus on their why. And I've got my why, but is that the it you're talking about? Or are you talking about something like social emotional learning or a a, a different awareness or something like that? So thank you. Good question. I'm going to, I'm going to say for the purposes of our podcast today, the it I'm talking about is the understanding of what is really true in your own world, right? The understanding if of my own emotions, not in order to change them or to push them on somebody else, but to understand that they're in there and understand that we all have and understand Are they affecting my intention? Are they affecting my emotions? Are they affecting my words? Are they affecting my actions? And these are things that when we really work at, we begin to understand that the answer to those questions is almost always yes. And it's okay. Knowing that it's happening is, you know, three quarters of the battle. So something that's really important because in schools, we talk a lot about accepting others for who they are. You know, school, high school is an interesting time in life because it's the last four years that you're forced to be with people who are different than you, if you think about it. So when we're out of school, we hang out with who we want to hang out with, right? We don't hang out with who we don't, whether we make excuses or whether we just don't. But in high school, we're in classrooms, we're doing activities, we're in clubs, we're joining sports teams where we're with people that maybe think, act, and feel different than us. So the idea of all the answers to those questions of how my emotions are impacting how I act and so forth are, are the idea that they're, they're usually yes or always yes speaks really directly to self-awareness and how self-aware we are of our own emotions. So how do we foster that or support the discovery of that in students, in teachers, in leaders, so that we can really take that knowledge and make it useful? Knowledge is where we need to be as long as it's useful. I love that. Otherwise, it doesn't serve anybody. So somebody, I um, a mentor of mine, he was really great at helping me understand that questions we ask the people that ask the best questions that really try to seek understanding, you know, usually get the furthest in life. So as a way to implement something like this, you know, we can, of course, help them understand what it looks like, what emotions look like, right? We have feelings, wheels and plays and all sorts of things we can see right on television. But the question is, can we ask them the right questions to get them to look for the answers inside themselves, right? And I think 
asking these questions, maybe it's something as simple as setting up five or four or three questions that you ask in a three or four minute period or let them sit and really decide for themselves what the answer to that question is, right? We're so used to to testing and getting the answers. And just maybe we don't even need the answer. Maybe we just give them a reflection period where it's just three minutes and two questions. You know, how do I feel today? And then give them, you know, I think at the beginning, you always want to give them options for them to maybe pick one to start. (laughs) Good, bad, indifferent, didn't wake up, tired, you know, don't want to be here, angry, whatever the questions are, right? Whatever their answers are. And then maybe a deeper question. Why do I feel that way? Right? And I think there's so much to... We, the surface level stuff that we ask all the time, how are you? What's going on? What's new? Right. But now that we are, we we're going through this renaissance, this understanding of our own selves, you know, let's ask a deeper question. Okay. Why? 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 What happened? You know, what's going on? Is that some, is there something that, that maybe you can look at differently? And I think that would be a good way to start. Supporting your teachers and students seems to be a struggle. They just don't seem to be engaged. You wish they would take more responsibility for their learning and culture of the building, but they just don't seem to be empowered enough to do it. So my question is, have you checked out the book Seeing to Lead yet? It's all about creating a true educational experience where learning, growth, leadership, and community take center stage. Full of strategies and resources, Seeing to Lead is about attaining that goal, by employing a model that supports, engages, and empowers all individuals to become leaders themselves. Pick up a copy today at seeingtolead.com. That's S-E-E-I-N-G-T-O-L-E-A-D.com. Remember, you don't become a leader and then decide you need to support and recognize others more than yourself. It is the moment you realize it's about supporting and recognizing others that you become a leader. SeeingToLead.com. I love the idea of a deeper question because, and I'm so glad you said why, because we do a lot of asking why when students behave in a certain way or do something, or when teachers behave in a certain way or do something, and we say why. And sometimes we get that that knee-jerk response that is not introspective, but instead it's outward towards the environment, things we have no control over, really. And do you mind if I get just really granular or concrete for a second with this? So back to the idea of high school and the different, the diverse populations of high school and the different people you run into. I don't like that person. You get that all the time amongst teenagers. Heck, you get that amongst adults. (laughs) You say, I don't like that person. And we can say why, but how do we teach or how do we build the ability for people to be self-aware enough to say, I don't like that person because they make me feel anxious and I don't like feeling anxious. Because then the next step is you have to understand what they're doing that makes you feel anxious or what about them makes you feel anxious and how you deal with that. How do we get to that point or that level of reflection? Great question. So I think when we get into powerful right? I think we'll talk tactically what it means to have power and have control. And if we can start to help them identify what do they have control over, right? Help 
me, help you, help whoever's listening to this identify exactly what you have control over? The answer is always you. Internally, you have control over you. You have control over the way the person makes you feel. You have the control over the ability, whether you're near them or not, right? You have control over you. So helping them understand that they always have this self agency, right? This understanding that is, is really what will tactically allow them to ask to go a little further with their understanding of themselves. So really get them to first realize everything is internal. Everything that's going around in your head is internal, right? Somebody said yes last night, they said, you know, I went to sit alone and I went, went by myself to go sit alone and, and all my enemies were there, right? How many times have you had an argument with someone and they weren't even there, right? How many times have you done that, right? Those are things that are all in your own head that are all there that are now being outwardly shown when somebody around you, you don't like, or somebody, somebody brings up a feeling that has come up, whether you were there or not, whether they were there or not, that brings up this feeling of, of whatever. And the word, I forget which, which feeling you went with, but you know, it's always internal. And once you start to get them to understand that, then you can build it. Then you can really spend the time and build the curriculum and build the education around. Okay. We're going to start from here. Just like you said earlier, we're going to start with our why and then we'll build from there. Right. We're going to start with our understanding that. We're going to control just the things we can control inside between the ears. After that, we'll work on how to react, respond and not react, right? Well, those things will come with time because we've learned, hey, wow, that is something that I understand about myself. Okay, stop, respond, pause, react, right? Once we get that set in that foundation set, and by implementing it, hopefully when we're a little bit younger, right? Younger than when I learned it. You know, implementing it slowly and helping them understand, you know, self-reliability, self-awareness, right? That is what, that is how to do it. It's just a question of, you know, once you start down this path, how much, how can you relate it to everybody? How can it be relatable to your teachers? Can it be relatable to your students? How can you teach it enough to the teachers to be able to teach it to the students, right? Right, right. You know, it's funny. First of all, I, I mean, I just have to go back. I had a moment when, you said, how often have you been having an argument with somebody where they're not even there? And I was like, oh, last night. Yeah. <laughs> that brings it home. And people listening to this have to be nodding their head. Or maybe it's just me and I'm crazy. But the times where I've been having a discussion and I'm like, Jones, you're alone. It's like, who are you talking to? Boy, when it, and it just makes me think because we talk about negative self-talk a lot. But that truly is. Negative self-talk turning into negative self-action. Absolutely. And how can we ever get better or help others get better if our own actions are self-injurious? So it's funny you bring this up because when, when I started this process of teaching and training communities, you know, I really started to, I started off with asking whoever I was interviewing with or whoever we were talking with, like, what's your ethos? What drives you? What is it that, that is going on, right? And it seemed like a good place for me to start. But what I figured out or found out is like, the next question has to be, are your actions reflecting your ethos, right? Are your words reflecting what you're saying are your core values? Because we can all say our core values and we can all think we know what they are. But when we get in this 
you know, fear mindset. Do they still align? Are we still, are we acting out of fear and, and frustration or are we acting out of that part of us that took the time to spend time looking at our core values and developing an ethos? That happens for companies, that happens for educators, that happens for communities, right? It happens to all of us. And it's because we all have that deep level of self-talk, that challenge that we know. And, you know, I was hoping to get into this, so I'm glad we had the, the time. But, and it goes back to my Renaissance example. The Renaissance was the time where we, you know, we widely decided that this was the time of learning, okay? Well, we know now through modern neuroscience, it's not a, was we think or we thought or we or it feels that way, right? We know what our default mode network is. We can literally look at it on a, on a resonance imaging machine and say, hey, this person right now is involved in daydreaming, autobiographical, autobiographical thought. They're thinking about themselves. They're thinking about the future. They're thinking about the past. And it's happening and we can see it on the screen. And we know that if we have tools that can, so if you know you're in the default mode network and that means you're in your head, you can have your eyes closed or open, it doesn't matter. And what's going on in there? So what is your default mode network actually? What is it? Is it negative self-talk? Is it positive self-talk? Is it 10 ways things will fail? Or is it 10 ways things will, things could go, right? I don't know. I mean, I know what it is for me and down to nine ways things can fail. Right. But we also know that science says, Hey, if we do these practices for a certain period of time continuously, which keep trying, keep going. Not only does the brain physically change itself with neuroplasticity, but that neuro default mode network slows. It does. We know it. We can see it on the resonance imaging machines. Right. So if we know this stuff is true, just like in the Renaissance, they found out science and math and they knew this stuff to be true. Well, why aren't we adding it? What are we doing? Right. The correct, the question is just adoption. So how long? Right. And one of the things I love about you, and we've talked about this at length is your ability to be brave. Be brave. No. Hey, listen, if we know this stuff is true, it's not just my opinion anymore. Let's figure out a way. Right. Let's add it in. Let's find a way. So, you know, bring in the experts, do your due diligence, do the things that you know to be good, right? And then make it happen. And by default, no pun on the default mode network, got to build more powerful communities together, right? That's kind of the way it goes. Look at you, the way you tied that up. <laughs> and I thought, powerful that was good. I think we were close. <laughs> you know, I have, to, I have to go back to the idea of actions and words or words versus actions or however you want to put it with our core values. Because we talk about that a lot whenever we talk about, you know, negative self-talk or anything. And I can't help but think, as you were talking, you know, the, the idea of, of our words about our core values or our actions reflecting our words, is it about self-acceptance at the core? And is there work to be done around self-acceptance? Because when we continually repeat our core values, but our actions aren't aligned with it, is it a way of... It is re is repeating those core values trying to convince us or keep informing us of the what we aspire to be instead of accepting the reality of what we really are? Man, that's an interesting question. It's interesting the way you explained it because we can all write down words that we aspire to be. 
right? And my words will be different than your words. And there's probably something to the fact that we connect to those words, right? Through our own shared experiences or individual experiences. We connect to those words differently. I believe though, if you can sit and understand what those words mean to you, then you can spend more time unpacking how to bring them to life. And I don't necessarily think we all do that. We know, right, that I, like, you know, for me, like we know I want to be someone who's thought of as honest, right, and, and passionate and straightforward and caring and loving, right? And I know that there are diet days when my wife probably doesn't think I care. So, but I do know through introspection that at, the, at my core, you know, I'm striving for those things. And through the process of listening, kind of deep listening to myself, those are the things that matter to me. So I guess I would say the answer is it's okay if you're not there yet. As long as you are connecting to it in a way where you want to improve. And I think this is a great segue to get into, you know, more. The next topic that we're going to talk about is more. And what does more mean? Right? What a, what a strange word, right? <laughs> it doesn't have a beginning, doesn't have an end. It's just more. How many bowls of zero you want? More. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to say, uh, sometimes that reminds me of sitting at the dinner table, like, you know, yeah. just more. Give me more. <laughs> more. It's good. I like it. I'll take more. But, yeah. No, that's, that's good stuff. And, you know, I, and so we should probably end the conversation here, but um, not just drop it off. You know, I mean, you, you talked about a lot. You talked about a lot of good things in the building and teaching. You brought us you know, from the architectural perspective, from the ancients and up to the Renaissance, how the science came along and they used it. And I mean, look what we have. We still today look back at these buildings that were built in awe and amazement. And boy, wouldn't it be something special to in just 20 years, not even 200 years, just 20 years to look back and say, wow, look at what they did in education when they had the science to understand that driving these deep pillars of introspection, of social-emotional learning, mental health, to drive them all deep to build a better educational system, but beyond that, a better community, and beyond that, a better world. Wouldn't that be something special? Man, you you uh, you wrapped it up nice. You hit it perfect. Wouldn't that be something special? And the thing is, we're our society is changing so rapidly that in twenty years, the people that we're talking about right now, the teaching, the learning that we'll be doing, they'll be the leaders. They'll be the people that are taking us to the next level of this whole game that we're in. And it won't and it won't need to take two hundred. It will truly. It could be. As simple as the next group that graduates your high school, right? Learning and knowing deep within themselves are all the answers. They got the stuff they needed to learn from the books and from the teachers and the things. And now they need to learn how to interact with the society as a whole, as a community as a whole, and be rooted to those ethoses that, you know, be rooted to those whys that you've, you so crafted into them and help them understand. So that being said, I think we need to wrap this one up on the building and teaching part. And what we'll do in the next one is we'll hit that more and that training part. 
And we'll start to talk a little bit about some of those nitty gritty processes or strategies. And, you know, we'll start to relate it and see how we can get into it. So thanks, Mike, for all the valuable things you offered. I I typically ask two questions at the end of every podcast episode, but we're not going to do that in a series. We'll put that to the end. So the listeners that are waiting for those two questions, they're going to have to wait till the end of episode four. Or maybe if I can con you into episode five, where we just kind of riff for a little while, we can do it then. Sounds good. Well, that's a wrap, but not the end. Next step, be sure to take action on something you heard here today. Hey, thanks for listening to the Scene to Lead podcast. If you would like to connect for any reason, email me at drchrissj at gmail.com or catch me on Twitter at Dr. C.S. Jones. If you've gotten any value from the Scene to Lead podcast today, you can help me and other leaders create a world-class environment through a teacher-centric approach by subscribing to the show, leaving an honest rating and review, and sharing this episode on social media with your most valuable takeaway. Also, one last thing. Have you had a chance to pick up my latest five-star rated book yet? Grab your copy of Seeing to Lead anywhere you buy books or at seeingtolead.com. That's S-E-E-I-N-G-T-O-L-E-A-D.com, where you can learn more and continue to improve. Now go have a successful week. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash B to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash B-E.